Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back to Conversations, another exciting discussion with Master Z and Vindesh. Today, we are talking about the truth, which should seem to be a very easy topic. If you think about the world, things are true or false, black or white, but reality tends to be a lot more complicated. Z, we were talking a bit earlier about how people get tripped up with the truth, and it seems like we can go wrong in one of two ways. So oftentimes, we'll adjust reality to fit whatever we need. We think we're after the truth, but we're really just trying to make ourselves feel better. And you gave the example of clothing sizes and how over the years, what used to be an extra large is now a medium. So we can wear a medium and we can say, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm a few pounds overweight, but I'm still medium and that's fine. But that's not true. That's not an absolute scale. And really all we've done is adjust the measurement. And we've done that in a way to make us feel better, which means that we hide from the actual problem. The second thing that we can do is we can lie to ourselves. So we can accommodate ourselves to whatever the situation is. And we may not like a situation. We may not like a relationship. We may not like a job. But we tell ourselves, you know what? It's okay. I really don't care about money. I just want to make a difference. I'm happy to work long hours. Or I don't need a serious, committed relationship. I'm just here for a good time. And if that's really what we're after, that's fine. But we get into trouble when we are compromising ourselves and going after something that we don't really want or adjusting ourselves to a situation in a way that doesn't comport with how we feel. And ultimately, that becomes unsustainable. That leads to some kind of physical or mental problem down the line. And I'm going to start this off uh, with this notion of truth and some of the ways in which we look for evidence to support our view of the world and we just hide sometimes from what stares us in the face. I remember I was out once, and I was out with my wife and one of her friends. This friend of hers was single, and she was all excited about this guy that she'd met. So she'd been talking this guy up about how great he was, but she couldn't quite figure him out because he would be a little bit affectionate, and then he would pull back, and sometimes he would respond, and sometimes he wouldn't. And she went in and tried to kiss him, and he just kind of sidestepped and put his head on her shoulder. And so she's trying to figure out this whole thing about what's going on, and she's speculating and coming up with all these different reasons. So we go out with this couple, and I meet this dude, and I see him and talk to him. Nice enough guy. Within about five minutes, it's obvious that he's gay. And it's obvious that he's never going to have any romantic interest in this poor girl. And it wasn't just me. My wife was looking at it. She came to the same conclusion. But her friend didn't want to hear this. And it's not that she was getting upset or anything, but it was like she just refused to believe it. So we left, and we were in a cab together, and we left this guy at uh, some gay bar in the West Village or something. And then we're going back with her friend, and she said, oh, what did you think? How was he? Isn't he great? And I said, you know what? I think he's great, but he's gay. He's just not interested in you. And she couldn't get it. She couldn't wrap her head around it. I think she kind of laughed it off. We had a good 15 minutes in the cab together to delve into this. And I don't think she seemed that upset, but she just didn't believe it. It was like something so foreign to her. It was an assault to her reality, and she dismissed it. So I never followed up. I don't know what happened. Actually, I think she got married, so she probably found someone uh, who was straight, I hope, <laughs> who eventually uh, they got married and they had some kids together. So her story worked out. But if you think about that situation, it was just weird to me because it was something that I looked at and I said, obviously, this isn't going to work. Obviously, he's not romantically interested. Uh, but instead of just seeing that, seeing something that I thought was very plain, her response was to figure out all of the reasons why it could still work out or all of the reasons why, even though he didn't want to kiss her or be affectionate uh, or spend the night at her place, he was still interested. And it was just a tremendous amount of energy. 
it was wasted time. It was disappointment. And that's just one example. I mean, Z, we can build on from that. We can go through the, the examples we see every single day of different situations. We have such polarization in this country. Two groups of people can look at the same situation, see them in an entirely different context. Truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but we become polarized. We become tribal. We actually look for evidence to support our point of view. We filter out evidence that tends to discredit what we think. And technology makes this worse. So there are all these algorithms on YouTube and social media which push, push us in the direction of confirmation bias. They figure out what topics we're interested in, whether we're leaning in one direction or another, and they keep on pushing us in that direction. And it becomes a very comfortable place to exist in for a while because we hear what seems like the truth, and it seems like a coherent story. It all adds up. We don't have to question our point of view because everything we're hearing confirms our point of view. So that becomes less taxing. And short term, maybe we feel good. We feel like we belong. But long term, that's bad. It's bad for us as human beings. We can't think independently. We can't evolve. It's bad for us as society because we become tribal. We become polarized. So this whole issue of truth, I think, is really critical to our own individual health, to the well-being of groups of people. And I'll put the question like this. How do we start to think about what is true, both what is true for us, so what do we want, and then how do we objectively assess what's happening in the world and whether situations are things that are going to help us or not? Well, Vin, I always try to frame these discussions in a way that at the end of, of these podcasts that a person walks away with something beneficial that will promote better health and well-being and mitigate their suffering and generally our mission is to mitigate human suffering having the ability to process truth inevitably and consequentially will lessen the degree of stress in your life not immediately but over time as you become more skilled at being a truth taker and a truth server you get healthier because your life is less encumbered it takes a lot more energy to live in a falsehood or in a narrative of lies and weave that together than it does to live a more truthful existence and I'm not speaking in absolutes because life is dynamic and fluid and the truth is evolving, changing. Uh, a lie can uh, be the most appropriate thing in the moment, uh, just being real about it. And so, but you want to always strive to be one who is courageous enough to explore the truth. I've said this before, and you'll hear me say it many times. It's one of the great writings in the yogic science, uh, a great pundit told one of the Pandus that the truth is a deep lake and few people wish to leave its comfortable and pristine shores to explore its unknown and perilous depths. So few people have the ability to really deal with the idea of truth. So we have lesser truths and when we say in a very binary way the truth or a lie I think that's problematic because these things exist in the dynamics of the human existence and relationships. Thus is the rise of fairy tales and religions in order to give people easy ways to frame their life because the truth would be very difficult. We often tell people in religions that they will live forever so it gives them a little less fear of death. Well, we don't know what happens after death. There's nobody's ever come back and said, hey, I was dead for a year and I came back. So we make up stories. The very term making up a story is we make up a lie. Then if the truth is stated in the dictionary as being a set of agreed upon facts, ideas, or notions is considered to be the truth. So even a truth can be built on a falsehood or a lie. So we shouldn't get all high and mighty and say we're honest people all the time. 
I would say to the best of your ability, you're being as accurate as you can with what is available to you. That means, that, again, as the yogi said, the truth is a deep lake with unknown and perilous depths. Are you hardy enough to go deep? I think about a, a very visceral experience I had the other morning. I was rushing out of the house, getting ready, and I try to take my supplements every day. And I had missed out on one of my series of supplements. So I said, you know what, I'm going to double up on my supplements. And I'm not real good with, I don't do real good with medications and supplements of any kind. Um, they're hard on my stomach, hard on my digestion. But I went on and broke what I knew. I got a handful of supplements, threw them down my throat, and then guzzled down some alkaline water with it and began my day. Well, they all sat there right in my esophagus and they wouldn't go down. And I drank a little more water and I began to, jack, to gag and choke and I couldn't breathe. I didn't want to stress out my wife and kids, so I went in the bathroom and I sat and I did some qigong and I began to wheeze and I could see that, okay, I'm going into oxygen deprivation. So I'm either going to have to choke, spit this up, where I'm going to have to stumble out in front of my wife and kids and get 911. So I went into a deeper meditation where I could breathe less. I, I went on and stuck my fingers down my throat and gagged up and the pills wouldn't come up. Just a lot of phlegm came up. I could breathe a little easier, but I was in respiratory distress. So I made a choice. Okay, do I want to go out there and uh, really, really traumatize my family? Or should I just die in the bathtub in a noble fashion. So I chose, I said, I'm just going to die in the bathroom. Let me just unlock the door so my poor wife can uh, figure this out and manage the kids at the same time. So I drank a little more water. I rolled up in a small ball in the bathroom and I waited either for death to come or relief of this. And slowly the pills broke down. They went down my stomach. My breathing came back and everything worked out. That wad of supplements is the truth. That is the truth. Yeah, it's good for you. It can help you out over a period of time. But all at once, it can kill your world. It can extinguish your idea of life. So most of us are not hardy or healthy enough spiritually, emotionally, or psychologically to really deal with the truth. So we, we want to be mindful. It's idea to be mindful about when we're demanding the truth. We look at the divisiveness of politics and views. How could it be that so many people can see the same situation, but see it in completely different ways? That is because, again, the truth is an agreed upon body of facts. And if the body of facts includes one group of people are less human than the other, the truth will be biased in that direction. Inversely, if the idea is ever victim, ever the sufferer is the beginning of the facts, then everything you see will be, that truth will be biased in that direction. We talked some time ago about developing skills of critical thinking, and they're very difficult to, to deal with because our world is designed about the truth that we create, the illusion of reality and truth on all levels. When you look in the mirror in the morning, what you see in the mirror is not the truth of you. It is a number of packets of information that are dealing with your history, your view of the world, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about others, and then layer that on with the gross photonic refraction and reflection that is coming through the visual cortex. So what you see is very different than what is really seen. That's why people often look at photographs and say, wow, is that me? Or you look at a video and say, is that me? Because you, you have a moment to step back and observe in a less passionate way, as we always talk about the dispassionate observer. So the truth is an important supplement to our overall well-being, but we cannot handle it all at one time and we have to be prepared for it. As my incident with the supplements, had I taken one small dose at a time, I could have had the whole dosage uneventfully. 
but I was concerned and I was crushed for time and also concerned with having missed a dose. So to people, we, we come up with these weird ways of framing uh, logic and reasoning that prevent us from dealing with the truth. So now, as you mentioned earlier, you go into the stores and they've changed the sizes of clothing to adapt to the unhealthiness of the population. So the indexing and the metrics that were set up, the standards set up for an average and normal health have changed. But yet the evolution of human beings has not changed. The lessons of nature have not changed. The overabiding rules of nature and physics have not changed. It is only our way of speaking with them and the collective agreement, the collection, these collective agreed upon facts we're adjusting. So facts aren't even facts anymore. They're what works for you. So for those who are really trying to develop the, the ability <clears throat> to take the supplementation of truth, to share that truth, it takes a lot of nurturing, a lot of personal work, a lot of introspection, a lot of deep, deep self-analysis and self-adjustment and modification, even to take the pill of truth, let alone to share that pill. So the benefit of the truth is it is less burdening. It takes less to manage the truth than it does to manage falsehood. It takes a lot less energy. And so when you talk about living in health, it's all about an energy gain. You want more energy in than going out. That's the anabolic cycle, mentally and physically. We want the rest cycle. We want the, the, the cruise cycle to exist as much as possible. So when you live your life based on um, anti-truth, it just takes a lot more energy. But we also want to appreciate that in the world that we exist in, one must always have strategies of survival and maintenance. So you weigh the truth with the other variables in your life, roof over your head, food in your belly, going, going and coming from your business at hand. So it can be very complicated getting to a simple place. So we, we have to deconstruct the falsehood and even deconstruct the truth to look at the beginning and the root of it. When it comes to our health and well-being, most people that I talk to do not do the things that they say they, they do or they say they know that they should be doing for their health. If I ask a person, are you managing your caloric intake? People will lie and say yes. They always say, I barely ate anything. I barely eat, and when I do, I only eat organic. Then you go over their house and they serve you Hostess Twinkies on Wonder Bread with a, with, with a grilled, with a grilled uh, snow cone or something, right? What were they telling me? Why were they telling me this? I always wonder, why are you telling me this? Because the, they feel the truth will lead to rejection. They believe that the truth will lead to challenges. They believe that the truth will lead to alienation, judgment, negative judgment, and it will reduce their tribal index and they will lose friends or companions. So that's why people often divest from the truth. But not blaming them, we have created a world as such that people have trouble with all of us as we receive the truth and how we react to it. You know, you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, tell it to me straight. How many weeks do I have left? Well, he doesn't want to be in that position. So he says, well, don't give up hope. Oh, anything could happen. I remember my, my best friend, 50 years, was dying of cancer. And he knew it. He knew he was in stage four of an incurable form of skin cancer that had metastasized into all of his organs. 
But his family was not ready for the truth. So near death, near the time of meeting his maker, going through horrific pain as his skin was peeling away quarter of inch layers at a time. Uh, all of his senses and faculties were beginning to fail. Septus was overwhelming his body. His family kept saying, oh, you'll make it. You'll make it. It's going to be a turnaround. It's going to be a turnaround. We're, 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 we're cheering for you. Making. He knew, he knew the problem. The problem wasn't the reality of the situation. The problem was his family's inability to accept the truth. All wonderful, good people. So again, when we talk about truthfulness and non-truthfulness, it cannot be judged good person, bad person. These were wonderful people that did not want to know the truth of their beloved father, husband dying so soon. So what he did, he sat in the hospital and when the oncologist came, he said on three occasions, he says, so you say I'm what stage? And the oncologist would shyly say, stage four. Uh -huh. And he said, now doc, you were saying I was stage what now? And then the doctor picked up on it. You are stage four. And the doctor shook his hand, shook my hand, and says, yes, we'll work from there because you're stage four. He did that so the whole family could hear stage four. Stage four. He was ready, they were not. So truth doesn't always work in that situation unless all have agreed upon truth is good. So all the people in that particular group or community can agree upon truth is better than false. But we don't do that. So let's be real with ourselves. We don't like to hear that. And so when it comes to uh, common issues of, for example, weight, we know that scientifically, if your waistline is longer than the length of your legs from waist to foot, that you're overweight. That's it. Nature has provided us with a dispassionate index of good health. But most people don't want to hear that, and then they will adjust reality to support a falsehood. Well, you know, in my family, we're big boned. Well, in my family, this kind of runs in my family. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So now you get comfortable with the lie, then you get a hundred other people or a thousand other people to go along with that falsehood, then that actually becomes the truth. Walk through any Walmart in the United States or any of these superstores. That is the very nature of the store is to promote gluttony which is, I think it's kind of something in the Bible that is against gluttony. I'm not sure, and it's something in the Bible. You read the Bible every now and then, right, Kate? So, gluttony, eating for the simple pleasure and engorgement of the self, is a mental health issue. But instead of us calling it that, we call it all kinds of things because we don't want to know or hear the truth because the truth challenges us to own ourselves, to be self-possessed, to be self-enlightenment and self-realized. So we don't want to hear that. There are other truths in partnering. You know, I remember a woman saying that, oh, if my husband ever looks at another woman, I'll make his life hell. And the husband looks at me and rolls his eyes. And she says, that's right, dear. I won't even look at another woman. And honestly, he couldn't help looking at it. Every woman that walked by couldn't help it. Men don't look at women because they look at women. We look at women because we make a million sperm cells a day and each one of them is trying to be... A, 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 to exist as a human being and nature, we dart our eyes, we look, we take snapshots, we don't know what we're doing. It's nothing personal, it has nothing to do with romance, any of that kind of stuff.
But to tell this woman that, that's an unacceptable answer. So he told her lies. And now the challenge with that is very stressful because you have to maintain those lies. If he were to tell the truth, yeah, I, I look at women, but I'm with you and I love you. And, but I look, I have, a, I have a nice car, but I look at other cars, right? I have nice clothes, but I look at other clothes. Doesn't mean that I'm gonna act upon it. Doesn't have anything to do with that. But that's too complicated for some people. They need, or it's not complicated enough, I should say. So they need to over embellish. I remember growing up and, and going through a lot of different relationship drama and stuff like that, all because I wasn't always honest with what I wanted from the women in my life. I was hoping that they would figure it out simply by innuendo or guessing or hinting. But they wouldn't. Or I would strike up existential conversations and create models of what-ifs and hypotheticals, which were engineering models, by the way, that had were not necessarily clear with a regular human being in human relationships. So I would find myself very disappointed that these people didn't match up to my ideal woman. But looking back in hindsight, I never said what that was. I was never truthful. I didn't, my intention was not to be dishonest or to lie. I simply was not truthful. And being, meaning that is that the truth has a number of elements, right? You have the facts and the situation that the facts exist in. You have the reality of the moment and the dynamic shifts or vectoring of that reality. So to pinpoint the truth is like shooting a moving target at a great distance. You have to consider many variables. If you're shooting a moving target at a great distance, you have to consider windage, elevation, trajectory, and velocity of target in order to make it all meet at once. That is the truth. If that bullet hits the target, that is the truth. You were true in your assessment. If it misses, you were not true. It's not the bullet, it's not the gun, it's not the target. It's you. So too in life. So too in life. When we think about the power of the truth and how it can be our salvation, but it can also be a bitter pill, it can also choke you and gag you and drop you to your knees. How do you prepare for that? You meter it out. You, 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 you allow yourself to be hardy enough and you take it full on, like jumping in a cold pool. Just go for it. And then when you come out of it again, you survived it. And you, from there, you learn how to adjust your life and you, you will find that you adjust your life in a much simpler way. Um, can you tell the people in your life what's going on with you? And can you also let them know what you hope they will do in response to that? That's the hard part. So you can tell your beloved, here's the things that make me really happy. And here's some things I'd like you to do, but that doesn't mean you have to do them. Because one of the paradoxes of that is maybe the thing I'm asking you to do or way I'm asking you to behave isn't contrary to who you are. Can I accept that too and adjust my wants and my desires? So it's always back on you. It's right back to you again. But you will find that the truth is always a healthy ally. It is, but one must muscle themselves for the truth. And you go deeper and deeper into understanding when you do that. Where it comes into health and well-being, strive for the truth about your health and not a truism. A truism is diet truth. It's a sort of a weak supplement for the truth. The real truth is heavy and deep. So when you start dealing with health issues, fitness issues, dig in, go to the lowest place. It's what they say in the Tao. 
Once a wealthy man asked Lao Tzu, said, where can I find the Tao? How do I find the way? How do I find the truth? And Lao Tzu simply replied, go to the lowest places that men disdain. Be like water. Go to every crack and crevice and gutter in town, and that's where you'll find the truth. Go to the lowest place. So in your own heart, go to the lowest place in your heart. When you see our shared environment in decay, can you separate your hopes, whims, wishes for days of yore, for what's really happening now? Accept the bitter truth, that too big a pill to swallow, and just sit with it and observe. And then in that observation, you'll find, here are things that I can do. When I heard that the bees were dying off because of all the Monsanto stuff, it, it's weird. It's one of those weird things. You hear about different stuff, but that saddened me that people would kill bees, right? It's just, I don't know. It just hit me like, why would you kill bees? I don't like to get stung by bees. I've killed enough of them myself, but I'm just a small player. I'm not killing millions and millions of bees. I'm just swatting the ones off me that might sting my ass because it hurts. But I understand what they do. What diabolical, twisted man or people or group would kill off all the bees. So I started sustainable gardening in my front yard. You've seen our garden, Caitlin, it's growing. It's pretty, and I just got down in the dirt and I just wanted to do my little part. I know I can't save the bees, but I know in, 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 in the quietest place in my heart that I did my part to not hurt them. And in return, I got some organic food growing out in front. So there are a lot of things like that. I know that, you know, I demand a lot of uh, energy from my wife. I know that. I, and I'm always uh, mad because, you know, she's busy with kids and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I, I'll do a half-ass effort to help her with the kids and do all that. With the truth being, anything I can do to get her rest so then I can take advantage of her being energized, okay? But I told her the truth about it, and she knows it. And even though it's tough sometimes, that truth being out there soothes some of the stress. But again, don't be a fool and just go around blurting truths out or events out because they're out of context. There's no benefit. Always ask yourself, what is the benefit of me giving up this information? So again, it's not a saint center scenario. It's where it works at, with your health, with the health of your family. Those are where you want to really work on it at. But with the public in general, well, you never tell the truth to the government. Never. Because it's not based on a truth. It's based on lies and falsehoods. So why did you jump in and interject the truth into that? That's, that's insane. So again, the truth is a group of agreed upon facts. The government, as it is established, has agreed upon a lot of lies. So their truth is a lie. Politicians of all ilks are promoting themselves. Uh, we don't get into politics here on, on Dispassion Observer for a reason, but I just like to say whatever you believe in, maybe one of the basic truths we can understand is all politicians leave office wealthy. All politicians work above and around laws that they make that they not don't affect them. Most politicians are psychopaths, narcissists, sociopaths. But because we like them, we tolerate their behavior. That is the truth. Thus we look around and our society is collapsing. It is more divided than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I've seen a lot of division. It is more hostile, more filled with hate, all because there has been no truth. The absence of truth has created a void of falsehood and chaos. And we do not allow politicians to tell the truth because if they told the truth, you would not like them anymore. And everybody wants to be liked. And for politicians to do their bidding, they must be liked. So they will say whatever they need to say to be liked. Thus, truth has no role in this. 
So too those of you who are working with people. You know to build a large customer base, often you times you can't tell the truth. And that damages your soul for a minute, so you, have to, you, you often have to find ways of soothing the hole in your soul because you've had to entertain people as opposed to maybe serve them on a higher level. So in that way, one must protect themselves and soothe the ravages of the heart from indulging in falsehood. So you know, well, I, I didn't tell the person the truth because they wouldn't have come back. Or I didn't tell them the truth because, hell, it wasn't worth it. But each time you do that, there's a diminishment of the self. So you have to have a way of tonifying it. Again, it's neither good nor bad. It's not sane or sinner. Um, the healthy, many times falsehoods are healthy in order to preserve the peace. If it's a falsehood to preserve the peace or save human life, there's no argument. But we're striving to be more truthful. Sometimes with people in our lives that love us dearly, they don't want to know we're suffering. There's the Superman syndrome, where we want to believe that iconic people in our life will live forever. Those people know that, so they tend to hide their suffering. You know, that young actor who died at 43 years old or whatever, of colon cancer, is amazing. Uh, it's in the popular media. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he was in chemo, suffering from the ravages of chemo and still making movies and presenting a great face. That's very noble. So in that way, the falsehood had nobility to it. He gave people inspiration and hope, though it cost him dearly. But he wasn't telling the truth. That doesn't make him a bad man. If you know that the people in your life are fragile, unable, not hardy, there's no reason to force the, the pill of truth down their throat. For they won't benefit from it, they'll only gag and die. It'll only crush their soul. So we can do a lot by training and preparing people for the truth. And that's done with a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy, and also checking yourself. You know, if you want to run around and suddenly confess all your sins, are you doing that to take it off your back or are you doing that to hurt the people around you? So we want to think about that. When you lie about your, your health, your well-being, or whatever, why are you doing that? You, are you this Chadwick Boseman? You want everybody to be happy? That's noble. But ask yourself, why are you doing it? Because each one costs, but the truth costs less. You follow me, Vin? So, Z, you make a lot of interesting points. I think the distinction is pretty critical. And to me, that's a distinction on the one hand between knowing what you want and what reality is, or at least having as strong a knowledge as possible of those two conditions. And number two is what you do with it. So if you're clear on what you want and you're clear on your surroundings on how the world works, you may choose at times to say things that you know to be false. You may choose to tell white lies to ease certain interactions, spare someone's feelings, or just conserve your own energy. It could be the case that the person you're talking to has no interest in the truth. They want approval. They want comfort. So why are you going to waste your time? It's not going to actually do anything. But I think that's very different from the situation we described up front where you are not clear either on what you want or, alternatively, you're not clear on what reality is. And if I think about that, you talked a bit about the health implications of not knowing what that truth is. You started talking about people who eat, maybe they eat a lot of junk food, but they feel a certain amount of pressure to present themselves as healthy eaters, as being vegan or whatever, uh, adopting a healthy lifestyle. And you just think about the stress from that small, simple example. So yeah, maybe not that big of a deal on the surface, but now suddenly every time their friends are around, they're thinking, oh my goodness, do I have the appropriate health foods in my kitchen so it looks like I've got a healthy diet? Let me think about what I'm actually going to eat so that I can maintain the charade. Let me think a few steps ahead about who might come and blow up my cover so 
is uh, my uh, my kid going to come in and talk about how I ate a Snickers bar last night? So let me think about what he's doing and can I get him into the other room so that he doesn't talk to the people that I want to impress? All of these machinations lead to a tremendous amount of anxiety. I mean, it's just so exhausting even talking about it. All the gymnastics we go through, the planning, the scenarios to maintain a certain charade or a face that we want to present to the world. Or alternatively, to convince ourselves that we're okay even when we're in pain. So I'm hurting, but I should be okay. I should power through this. I shouldn't want the things that I want. It's not right for me to think this way. Let me think a different way. And I've seen people, either friends, family members, who just tie themselves up into knots. And the more you do of that, the more you become utterly divorced from reality. Uh, We've talked in the past about maintaining this visceral connection to what is. So what is your gut telling you? What are you seeing in front of your eyes? The more of this we do when we try and rationalize and argue and strategize and try and do the impossible, which is turn something false into something that's true, the more disconnected we become from reality. And over time, I think we lose the ability to flex that muscle. And it hurts us in determining what's true more generally. So we're not necessarily aware of our environment, how to navigate our environment, how to get the things that we want. Hell, we might not even know what we want anymore because there's so many layers and falsehoods and habits that we built one on top of the other. And that's, number one, a tremendous amount of stress. Number two, if you think about the cost of that, it creates stagnation or it creates a situation where we're not moving towards things that are going to benefit us. We are forcing ourselves to stay in a place which is unhealthy. And again, that's wasting time. And time is something that is extremely precious. It's all we have in this life. Why not do what we need to do? Yeah, we might make some mistakes. We might feel rejected. Uh, We might say the wrong thing at points, but at least we're moving forward. And at least we're getting closer to whatever our, uh, I was going to say best version of ourselves. I mean, that sounds a little bit lame, but uh, we're getting closer towards the fullest expression of ourselves. And I think that's ultimately all we can ask for in this life. So having that clarity becomes important. And if I think about why we lack that clarity, so much of it to me is around tribalism and it's around convention and it's everything we've been told about what's right and what's wrong. I remember this when I was starting my own business. I mean, I started a business and I did something which wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And even though I did start the business, it took a bit of a different form. And I thought I had to run it one way because I thought that was the right way to do it. And I was talking to family members and they were saying, yeah, you have to make sure that you run a certain investment strategy that can attract the right type of investors. So you get this thing off the ground. So you get a certain amount of profit. And yeah, I think that all sounded reasonable. And maybe for some, that was the right path. For me, it wasn't the right path. That's not what I wanted to do. I actually had to learn the craft. And I needed to spend more time just learning and making mistakes and evolving. But I wasn't ready to either admit that or I was so misdirected by what I thought I needed to do that I ended up going in a direction that, frankly, was destined to fail. Uh, So, you know, I did that. I learned from it. I don't regret doing it. But if I had to do it again, I would have been much clearer on what I wanted and what it took to achieve that. And maybe it would have been a more productive endeavor. Uh, In relationships, I think a lot of it, a lot of times it's the same thing, that we have certain ideas of how we're supposed to be treated or how we should treat the other person, what we can say, what we can't say. And that ties us up in knots because we're sitting there and we're screaming and we're there's some part of ourselves We're just saying, oh, my God, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. But there's another part, this intellect, which has gone into overdrive, which is saying, no, you have to. This is what everyone else does. This is what you've been taught. Who are you to question your society? Who are you to question your religion, which has laid out what's right and what's wrong? Or who are you to disappoint other people? And I think that's another big reason why we end up hiding from the truth. And this is exactly what you said, Z. We have a certain image of ourselves that we want to project, and we are just afraid that other people are going to be disappointed or disgusted, or we're not going to be perceived as being as as successful as we think we should be. So all of these conditions of trying to impress other people, trying to follow convention, 
trying to do what we think we should as opposed to viscerally what we know is right, these end up getting in our way. How do you respond to that? And if we've been in this mode for a long time where, frankly, we're living life on someone else's terms, and that prevents us from seeing what is, it prevents us from knowing in our heart what we care about, how do we start peeling back those layers and getting to the truth? Well, Vin, it's, it's powerful what you're saying. And as I'm sitting here thinking, you know, these definitions of the truth, a, a set of agreed upon facts, who agreed upon those facts? So it goes to what you said just in passing is, is it goes into something we call tribal indexing and the tribe that you're around. I, I always tell people, and, and then this gets into how to navigate through all the haze and find the truth again how to go to the depths of that deep lake so if that lake is murky and it's made murky by all these different particles of your life that prevent you from seeing clearly tribal indexing is one of them if all of us were to sit down and, and do a list of five or ten things that define us we could see what tribe we're in and then from there, you could understand all the particles that obstruct our ability to see clearly. First, you say, hey, uh, I'm a man. I'm an American man. I'm a, a Christian American man. I'm a, what else could we add to that? I'm a, um, whatever, I'm a, a veteran, a proud veteran, American Christian man. I'm a uh, proud veteran Christian man that loves uh, in the power of American industry. I'm a nationalist. So you write those things down and right away when you write those things down, you can see the problem with that. So obviously you're a nationalist and you believe that everything of your nation is good and all other nations are bad or, or, or not as good. So that's going to affect how you assess things. The fact that you said you're a man and that defines you some way, somehow, we have to figure out what that means. Does that mean you're, you're better than a woman? Uh, I don't know. What is a man? You have to ask yourself what that is. You say you're a Christian. Now you're a Christian nationalist man. Well, it's getting dangerous already. That tribal index is getting dangerous. So if you meet, you know, a a Muslim Jewish woman who is an environmentalist, you probably won't like that person. Not because of an absolute truth, but because a set of agreed upon facts that she is in conflict with you. So you don't even know the person. So tribal indexing and our tribal concept of ourselves creates the muck and mire when we're trying to find the truth. Thus we see played out every day in American media. Cities on fire, people seeing the same thing and having extremely different opinions about it, people seeking the truth the right answer or just spouting out a lie. If you're not seeking the truth, you're owning a lie because the truth has to be sought. Whatever you see has many layers to it. And unless you're willing to explore the layers, then you don't want to explore it. You don't want to know. It's like those stories of people who are adopted and then the adopted parents lament, lament, oh, when should I tell little Johnny he's adopted? Um, or should we tell him? And then when little Johnny finds out he's upset, hurt, maybe runs away from home, storms out the door, why would something like this even be a big deal? Think about it. Well, because early on, you told a lie. Or you framed a story that made whatever you're saying a lie. What does it mean to be a parent? To be a parent. It has nothing to do with genetic material, being a parent. Absolutely nothing to do. 
What does it mean to be a mom or dad? It has nothing to do with genetic material. How then does it get so confusing? Because some way along the line, we added value to these elements, these particles that obscure the lake of truth. So you can't even tell the truth anymore. Right? People talk about all the time this idea of, of where they say fidelity in relationships. Fidelity. And few people choose to even open a dictionary and understand what fidelity meant. A woman came the other day and says, yeah, my, my husband, he was uh, lacked fidelity. In Islam, they have people called infidels. Couples have people that don't have fidelity. But nobody even knows, cares to know what that means. Fidelity means clarity. All it means is clarity. When you have an old-fashioned recording device and it's called a hi-fi, that means the sound is very clear. It has high fidelity. It is not, it is not unclear. It is not staticky. It's not grovelly. It has high fidelity. HD video. High definition, high fidelity video. It's better than less. I actually don't like HD because the actors and actresses look really ugly on that. So I like a little less fidelity. I don't like the truth in my entertainment. But with that, if people understood the concept of fidelity, it means to be clear. It is not truth or lie to be clear. But if you're not able to deal with that clarity, then for the sake of the relationship, you can't have fidelity. It's like when these old stories, a woman walk up to their husband and say, you think I'm fat? Well, he has to lie. There's no fidelity there, he has to lie. But you can walk up to a friend and say, hey, come on, man, go in and cut out the Happy Meals every now and then and let's get to work. That's fidelity. But people don't allow that. We don't allow fidelity. So how can we ask for something we ourselves don't allow? So the medicine in working towards finding the truth is really the work on the self. It goes into self-realization, self-ownership, self-possessions, as the yogic teachings teach us. And it starts in a very personal way. Be true to yourself. Be honest with yourself. In the quiet realm of you, tell the truth. If you mislead everyone else, at least tell yourself the truth. Start with that. And then as you begin with that, it slowly, slowly moves outside of you and starts to shape your social environment. A little bit at a time. And then you will find that it is natural for you to social distance. Because it feels so good being honest and truthful that you will find yourself not really wanting to be around a lot of people you can't be that way with. So you've resolved the social distancing problem right there because you're only going to have so many people around you anyway that can swallow that bitter medicine and that big pill of truth. But it's really good when you do do it because it tonifies you, it invigorates you, and it lets you live life with such freedom. You're so, you, you don't have so many, so few bags you have to carry. But again, be wise about it. Don't just jump out there and say random stuff to get a rise out of people and hurt people's feelings, destroy relationships, uh, you know, uh, burn and destroy everything around you because you want to blurt out something crazy. That doesn't benefit anybody and it's no longer the truth anyway because if the truth done for the sake of destruction and not for the sake of the integrity of truth, then you are lying anyway. Even your truth is a lie now because you just did it to hurt people. You didn't do it because you wanted to serve the greater good or elevate the consciousness of anyone. So it, it, it's, it's kind of complicated, Vin, but I think we can make it easy. We know that it takes less energy. It's good for your health. It's good for your emotional and spiritual well-being. But it also takes masterful work to get to that point. You follow me? Yeah, Z, I think your points are spot on. And I'll just add on to what you're saying. There's another aspect to this where a lot of times our beliefs are hijacked without us even being aware of it. 
And there's so many narratives that we pick up where we allow other people, and this is the faceless committee we've talked about, we let some unidentifiable party define our reality and tell us what is true. And I think about this, I'm in my 40s now. I was talking to a friend of mine from college the other day, hadn't caught up with him in a while. And he was talking about how things start to break down when you're getting old. So he's saying, well, we're not that young anymore and it's just harder to recover and I can't do the same thing. And every time I hear this, it bothers me. And I said to him, in a theoretical sense, maybe you're right. I mean, if I had trained flat out 100% all of my life, if I were an Olympic level athlete, yeah, maybe I'd be better in my 30s than my 40s. But we're so far below that to begin with. I mean, if you think about the upper bound in our potential. We didn't come close to tapping that in our 20s and our 30s. There's a lot of room between where we are and where we could be. And I personally plan to get in better and better shape over time. I think I'm in better shape now than I was 10 years ago. I think a few years from now, I'll be in better shape still. And I don't find that surprising. I mean, I look at you, your advanced age, in your 80s or whatever you are, I don't know, I've lost track, but you're, you're still doing it. I mean, you're a force of nature. You're in phenomenal shape. And you're not probably not as, uh, as strong as you were at your peak, but relative to the general population, you're pretty close to the top of the chart. So I think this limit is just something that we've imbibed, that enough people say it enough times that, oh, I'm old, I'm slowing down, I have to hunch over, I have to get fat, that it becomes our reality and it's a dangerous kind of truth because it's a truth that we're not even aware that we're picking up. It's a narrative that is defining our beliefs, it's defining our behavior, and we're not even aware of it. So I would say another critical aspect to this in in getting the truth is to just be aware of what our beliefs are. What do we really think about the world and how did we come to that conclusion? And I think if we can get into the habit of questioning everything, and again, not with an inordinate amount of energy, so not doing tons of research and writing dissertations, but just observing. What do we believe and how do we know it? And if we don't know something, let's keep an open mind. Because the other aspect of truth is that belief can become reality. And a lot of times you can't separate the two. This is something that I see in finance all the time. You see it in the stock market. If enough people believe the market is going to crash, guess what? It's going to crash because people are going to start selling and vice versa. That belief translates into reality. If we believe that there are certain things that we just cannot do, then we're not going to try. If we believe we're socially awkward, then we're going to be nervous when we're talking to other people. And guess what? We're not going to elicit a good response, and that's going to provide confirming evidence for our belief, and that becomes reinforcing. So I would say, maybe to close, the the final aspect of this is let's really understand what our beliefs are and how that shapes our reality, because the two are tied together very intimately. So it's not just about some objective truth. It's about what we want to be, what we can be, and what beliefs are going to support us along the way? Yeah, Vin, it's, it's when I listen to you and I hear this, I think about what do we want to leave people with and how does this benefit your health and well-being? That's what it always comes down to. I keep going back to this to unburden yourself and creating those healthy boundaries. Because remember, truth is a set of agreed upon facts by a group. Again, a faceless committee. We know... I believe we know. Look, I'm very fond of philosophy and religions, but I know the purpose of those philosophies and religions are to give us ethical, moral indicators in order to manage our life. But there aren't, history is his story. It is not the story. So when people attach themselves to his story, they're attaching themselves to a falsehood, to a lie. Someone said the other day, a coach or something said, we should know the truth of American history. No, you should just know the story and not his story. 
If you know the story, the truth will naturally come out. So whoever tells his story will always make his role in that story more significant, uh, more gracious, more magnanimous, more noble than someone else's story. So we know that that is built on a lot of falsehoods. With those knowing people, take it with a grain of salt. Study it, enjoy the stories, but read between the lines. What are they selling me? So too, when you interact with people, do you really need to interact with a bunch of people that require you to ravage your soul in order to be with them, to smile on cue, to go along with things that are going Are you that lonely? And if you are, look in the truth of yourself and how can you fortify yourself where you're substantial upon yourself? Or that you can be really clear on what would satisfy your loneliness and you're not just making yourself available for all sorts of dredges of society. So the truth can liberate you as it can cause you great pain and great suffering. So weigh those two variables. Um, no one owns the truth. No one owns it. Truth is something that is pursued. Spoken, saying something you just want to be honest out of context is truly dishonest. Put everything in the context. Have those talks. If your conscience is burning you because you have a hidden story you need to tell, don't cool that fire by blurting out stuff. Cool that fire by coming to terms with yourself why you ever did something in your life that is now burning your soul. That's all you got to heal. Leave it be. And then slowly work towards someone who can process truth and be willing to take self-ownership. Have the character to take self-ownership and slowly work it in there with your parents, with your friends, with your beloved, with the people you work with. And there's all degrees. Listen to those people. They, you know what they can handle and what they can't. Like my dear friend said as he was near death, he let them hear the doctor say it. And then one night when I was sitting with him towards the end, he was having a download of the history of his whole life. And he asked me, he looked me right in the eyes. Aunt looked me right in the eyes and said, yeah, man, this is hard. Are you ready? And I said, Ann, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to go because I don't want to see you hurting anymore. And he just held my hand. He says, okay, man, as long as you're ready because I'm not going to go until you're ready because we've been in this for the whole, through the whole life we've been. We had 50 years together. And I know you love me. I said, yeah, you know I do. But I love you so much, I don't want to see you in pain. So if you're ready, I'm ready. He says, okay, I'm going to go home, man. I said, okay. The next day he passed away. That's the truth. So let's keep it really simple with the truth. Z, I love that word, fidelity, and how that means clarity. I think that's really what truth is about. Let's maintain fidelity. Fidelity to who we are. We have to know what we want, we care about. And fidelity in terms of our image of the world, how it works. And the more clearly we can see ourselves and the world around us, the easier life becomes. The less baggage we carry around, the less stress, the less anxiety that we have, and the more quickly we can evolve to whatever destination we are headed. So I think we get caught up a lot of times just making things very complicated, making things about, oh, I need to think a certain way, or I think this way, so let me go and find evidence that supports this or find groups that I'm comfortable with. And we talked about this in bitter medicine. Yeah, maybe that feels good for a little bit of time, but we need a little bit of bitterness. Maybe not an overwhelming amount, like your supplement example. We don't want to take so much that we go into shock. But we need enough truth to keep us on track and keep us moving forward. And if we don't take that medicine, we just end up losing our way. We lose that visceral sense of reality. We lose our connection to life. So keep it simple, keep it clear, and know your truth. If you enjoyed the show, 
please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.